Welcome to Into the Known. In this podcast series, we invite you to view knowledge and its ownership in a new light and take you behind the scenes of some case studies from the volume Ownership of Knowledge. I'm your host, Emily Tsui. Some have described African-American Henrietta Lacks as immortal, and in a sense, she is. Her HeLa cells, as in Henrietta Lacks, have paved the way for groundbreaking medical advancements, including the creation of the polio vaccine, improved HIV treatments, and the development of numerous cancer drugs. Henrietta herself actually died of cervical cancer in 1951. In the same year prior to that, those cells of hers were taken during a biopsy and, as mentioned, have since been harnessed for research, without her consent. Her family only learned about the continued use of her cell line about 25 years after her death. By now, a whole market has evolved around trading biological material and molecules such as hormones, vitamins, or cell lines. In this legal and economic system known as biocapitalism, these kinds of matter are turned into goods. Perhaps questions around consent and ownership have become even more urgent now that the focus is increasingly on our DNA, the unique inherited code that our cells read to build and maintain our bodies. So, you know, one thinks about, oh, I own my car, I own my computer, but do I own my own genes? And it turns out, sometimes or partially. The more important question is, can you patent genes? Can someone patent my genes, therefore conveying ownership to this individual? The answer is yes. In his chapter, Ownability, Ownership, Knowledge, and Genetic Information in the United States, historian Miles Jackson explores how ownership of genes becomes possible and sellable. In short, it's a system created around patenting, licensing, and consent. You push the stick into a little plastic tube, close it, and put the kit into an envelope. The swab is covered in your cheek cells, freshly brushed from the inside of your mouth. Maybe in three or four weeks, you'll know if you have a cousin in Scotland. Up until 2020, around 9% of U.S. Americans had taken a DNA test in the hopes of tracing their ancestry. They sent their cells to companies such as 23andMe or Family Tree DNA, infusing their genetic code into the market. With 23andMe, 80% of clients opt in for their data to be shared with or sold to third-party businesses and nonprofits in an aggregated and anonymized form. However, they don't necessarily know where their information ends up, if a federal agency puts it to good use, for example. In 2019, the New York Times reported on the provider Family Tree DNA, which allowed the FBI to access the genetic information of its 2 million customers. With a method called forensic genealogy, investigators compared DNA from crime scenes to the database. Even just the genetic material of a relative is enough to find a match. A large number of crimes, some of them cold cases since the 80s, were solved in this way. 
DNA is not just a chemical. It also contains information. And while individual identities and ownership of our bodies go far beyond genetics alone, it's possible for others to legally and economically own some of our genes. So far, two-thirds of human genes have been patented, mostly by commercial companies. These sequences of DNA, the information coded in them, and the knowledge gained are subject to being used, licensed, and commodified. You famously have an example of alienation. If I give my DNA to, say, a particular company or someone who wants to patent it, and it turns out I have a great mutation that's really important to understand disease, they can patent that gene, get money from that, but I do not get any money from that. So in a sense, I'm alienated not from my labor, but from my own body in this case. So should ownership of genetic information be abolished? Many cases in the legal system come across as rather benign. The majority of researchers, for example, use patents for self-credit without ever aiming at commercial value. In some other cases, enabling shared use even solves crimes or saves lives. According to Miles, ownership of bodily matter, such as cells and especially genes, in part is a matter of ensuring better consent and privacy policies, as well as well-regulated licensing. We should also ask who gets to use those genes to develop new diagnostic procedures or treatments, and who they're accessible to. In the end, the issue opens up both personal as well as very practical questions. How much can and should we be involved when someone else can own parts of our body simply because they know a sequence of letters in our genes? What does it mean to know and own our bodies? If you'd like to delve deeper into these questions, make yourself a cup of tea, snuggle up on your couch, and dip into Miles Jackson's chapter, Ownability, Ownership, Knowledge, and Genetic Information in the United States, in the volume Ownership of Knowledge beyond intellectual property. It's open access and completely free. You can find the link to the book in each episode description. This podcast is produced by the Max Planck Institute for the History of Science. To learn more about knowledge ownership and the history of science, follow us on social media and give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast app. See you next time.